This is The Wealth Puzzle with Michael Mansfield from The Lynn Group. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Michael provides his clients and prospects with the information they need regarding Social Security, Retirement Income Planning, Wealth Management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now, here is The Wealth Puzzle with Michael Mansfield. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. This is Mike Mansfield with The Wealth Puzzle. And as always, Tony Shore. Tony, thanks for joining us. We got some hot topics today, my friend. Not hot topics from the mall, but hot topics <laughs> from our conversation. I don't know why I, w- I went to that instantly. I'm like, oh, man. Get a studded belt and a Marilyn Manson t-shirt. Nope. And we'll say what a great week. The um, We're going to talk about taxes, though, if oh. that's even more exciting. Oh, what? No, 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 no. This is this is oh, fun stuff. <clears throat> well, is it how I can minimize my taxes? No, never. It's never about that. That's what I want. No, 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 no. Where where I want to go with these conversations now is, hey, this is uh, this is fourth quarter of the game. This is election season. Yep. It's time to start talking policy shop, everybody. We got to start talking about the things that become relevant in what you think about, what you're concerned about. And, you know, it's funny when you talk about politics, Tony, uh, everyone loves, obviously, the we'll say the the big headline buzz things, you know, to talk about that are certainly going in on mainstream media. If you turn on the news, I like talking about subtle things. So, for example, one of the huge things that is very impactful to my business, my clients, me thinking about what is best for them is tax policy. Right. Jeez Louise. A lot of what I do is about tax policy. And so I think that this becomes an important conversation because the powers to be with who's running for, uh, you know, top office of the land here have two very different tax policies at the moment. And I thought it would be interesting to discuss those because I'm not here to tell you who to vote for or what, what to do, but I can give you information that is probably not something that you're, I don't want to say that you're not privy to it. It's just something that I watch a lot of news and I don't ever hear anyone talking about this stuff. So either nobody cares about tax policy or it just is not glamorous enough to make a big deal out of. I don't know. Right. But right. I think it's glamorous and we're going to make it super duper <laughs> glamorous today. <clears throat> well, Michael, I'm interested to see how you're going to do this. And obviously, you're right. It is interesting. We are in a political season, and we do want to be looking out for our, our best interests and the best interests of the country, of course. But mm-hmm. uh, we have to look at our own personal situations when it comes to taxes, right? Absolutely. I, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, a lot of people do consider things based on their own pocketbook, think about their own legacy. Remember, you spend your whole life working to save money for really two major reasons, right? You're either going to spend your money or you're going to give it away. I mean, you know, boil it down simpler than that, Tony, spend it or give it. And in both scenarios, you know, because this was your hard work, your life's labor, all your savings, all of that stuff, it seems to me that you want to be, yeah, it's very uncommon that I would say that when I talk to someone about their legacy of, are they going to use their money in retirement? Are they going to give it away? I don't, recall a lot of people that walk into my office, Tony, and say, well, God, uh, what do we need to do to make sure that the government is the number one beneficiary on my accounts? 
yeah, no. I don't. Nobody I don't, wants. I don't, to, nobody wants that. What? How dare you? That's so unpatriotic of you to say, Tony. Right. That's what everybody wants. We want to give it to the man. The man. Anyways, <laughs> um, <clears throat> so look, obviously there's a lot going on. Where this conversation starts, actually, is it starts a couple years ago. Can everybody remember the 2017 Tax Cut Job Act that was created by the current presidency? We've talked about this before. I will tell you right now, I'm getting a little raspy in my throat. I don't know why. Hang on. I got to drink something. <clears throat> all right. I'm back. I think I'm, I think I'm good. I think that solved all yeah. my problems. A little, <laughs> wow. little Okay. Little, you know? Okay. Anyways. So the new tax law. What, what well, about it? Well, let's start with the previous tax law. Oh, okay. You're, you say new, you meant two years ago now. Yes. So yeah. new tax law. One of the things that came out was the government tried to, we'll say, simplify tax returns by eliminating people that were itemizing, get more people, just use the standard deduction. That's its own conversation. They also reduced corporate tax rates. Now, what's funny is I don't want to play headlines in everybody's heads and be all stigmatized on these thoughts, but how many times did we hear in the news that, oh my gosh, you can't just cut taxes, federal tax revenue will go down and the rich get a bunch of tax breaks? Not fair. Not fair. Not fair. Well, you know what's fascinating about that, Tony? Remember, we, we cut individual tax rates. We increase the standard deduction for individuals. So inherently, individuals, for the most part, are paying less. In fact, the IRS came out in 2018 and said 68% of what they could estimate paid less tax in 2018 versus 17 based on the new laws. So, you know, 70%, basically two-thirds of the country got a better shtick out of the whole deal. Um, also corporations to make the U.S. more competitive, we dropped the corporate tax rate from 35 down to 21%. So things did change. You know, what's fascinating though, as you talk about reducing tax liability is there's already a, a middle to low income group of people in the country that don't pay any tax at all. You know, if you made the median income of $63,000, that's two people working with two kids. What do you think your, your federal tax liability is, Tony? Guesses? Um, Guesses? I have no Guesses? idea. It's zero, and oh, by the way, you get two grand back on your child tax oh, yeah. credit. Yeah. So yeah. you actually don't owe any taxes, and you get nice. money back at the yep. end of the day. That's that, so that sounds like a pretty reasonable deal for the majority of the country who make you know the median income or less. Obviously, the design there is you're not making a ton of money, so we want to make sure that at least that component of your life is efficient. At the same token, you know, it's weird in 17 to 18... Individual tax liability, excuse me, tax revenue collected by the government went up. How, how could that be, Tony? Yeah, how could that, that doesn't be? That doesn't make any sense. Nope. Did you know between 2018 and 2019, individual tax revenue collected by the government went up again? Well, this, this is insane. This can't make any sense because, you know, we gave all these giant tax cuts to the rich. Well, it turns out that mathematically, that's not really how things happen. When you look at total revenue, this is corporate and individual. In the last two years, tax revenue is up like $150 billion. It's up huge. Yeah. Now, how, how could that be? And a lot of it has to do with the, the misuse of thought. And what happens is, is when a company gets a tax cut, I, well, let, me, let me be a little shallow. Let me talk about my own business here because I, I own a small business. I have employees. I make money. 
Um, so these things are very considerate to me. And I think about it like this, and this is a very perhaps overly simplified thought, but I think relevant. And that is, if you raise my taxes as a business owner and my income goes down, the income that I need to pay for my family and take care of my business and pay for my health insurance and all of those things, if my income goes down, I will consider cutting something. Will I cut an employee? Will I cut marketing? Will I go to a smaller office space? Basically, what I would start considering is how do I cut economy out of my business, right? How do I cut out spending, the flow of capital into the world so that my income isn't reduced to a point where I feel tight, right? Right. At the same token, being a small business owner that I am, if you were to cut my taxes and to be fair, my taxes went down in 18 from 17. So I did benefit from the tax cuts. And you know what I did? I hired more people. I hired another person. I have another person on staff at the moment that I didn't have previously because I saw my income actually increase. And I thought, oh my gosh, how could I effectively use this money to grow everything and make it all better for everybody? And I ended up hiring somebody else. Now, granted, my income then more or less stayed the same, right? Because now I'm spending more money. Right. But our productivity, my ability to put someone else on payroll who now has a job where I have to pay payroll taxes and things like that. So it's funny that when you see corporate profitability, when they talk about these tax cuts, when corporate um, tax rates go down, all of a sudden we saw this nice, healthy spike in individual tax liability. And that's because, oh my gosh, they hired more people. They gave more raises. They did more things with the money as one would expect a capitalistic brain would do with money versus just hoarding all of it. So there's some of those things going on there, obviously. Um, But I think what's very fascinating is for all the criticism that the headlines have given the 2017 tax cuts over the last two years, tax revenue is up. And you have to sit there and like, is this just cause a giant brain fart? Bonk. You know, how does, you know, thinking about how far space goes kind of stuff. It doesn't make any sense. It's not fair. Those were supposed to be bad. Those were supposed to reduce, you know, whatever. In fact, tax revenue has increased for the government. And it's because of that, In at least in my opinion, part of it because of that, that, that mental cycle of what businesses would have. Hey, if we have more revenue, we're more efficient, we're more competitive, I can hire more people. And isn't that what's mysteriously been happening? I mean, before the coronavirus, what was happening in the in the labor market? Bad boy was booming yep. on all cylinders, right? You know, yep. jobs are be creating left and right. Yeah. Things were going well because as corporations saw, oh my gosh, we have more money at the bottom line, the double line, right, from your accounting class. Oh my gosh, let's use some of that. Let's build something. And maybe it wasn't even direct hiring people, but if you suddenly build a plant and you have to hire people to come in to build that plant and that they have to hire someone to buy the steel and buy the lumber, it it creates so much economy. It creates so much flow of money. And that's why things have been booming really well. Anyways, point being is, is I, I wanted to highlight that by the numbers, not just my personal opinion, but literally by the numbers, this is off of the government website. All of you people can go find this information if you cared to, but by the numbers, the 2017 Tax Cut Job Act has in fact increased federal tax revenue, which ironically was the whole point of it. It makes the individual bottom line good for people, makes people feel better, pay less taxes, absolutely. But big picture, it created more economy, and that's what was huge. Hmm. Whew. 
Jeez Louise. Yeah. I'm going to take a little nap. A little, well, little good point. I mean, uh, I I don't think a lot of people were seeing it that way uh, or understood no, how, that, how that worked. And so that's No, because that's you watch headlines, you... Tony. It's all headlines. Yeah. Oh, they just cut taxes for the rich. Well, you know what? And that's technically true. But if you actually go waste your time reading the tax brackets, the biggest tax cuts were for the middle class. Yes, the rich got like a 2% tax cut off the top line tax bracket. But once again, it goes back to my small business ownership mentality. If you can give me a tax cut, you can put more money in my pocket. I will figure out how to deploy that money to make the world go round better. Will I hire someone? Will I do more marketing? How will I put those mo- that money back into the economy to, let's be fair, benefit myself, but also benefit everybody around me? Yeah, exactly. So interesting times. So anyways, let's fast forward. Like I said, politics season, um, you know, we got some new contenders, you know, kind of going on thing. And so obviously when you have new people running for presidency, everybody's got their their tax plans. Right. So, you know, Vice President Biden, he's come out with his stuff. Um, I'm actually sitting here as we're talking on the taxfoundation.org website. So you can go to this. It's under Joe Biden tax proposals. So you can go in and read this stuff. I'm not making this stuff up and I'm not going to, well, I might give my opinion. I'm, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but you can, you can make your own opinion about this. And it, and a lot of it has to do with, you know, I don't know, however you view the universe. So anyways, couple fun things about, uh, Joe Biden's tax proposal coming into the year. Couple big ticket items that he's discussing, and these don't apply to everyone, but it applies to a lot of people. So one of the things that he wants to is considering is capital gains. You ever heard of capital gains, Tony? Oh yeah. So capital yep. gains is how they tax passive, we'll say investment income. You buy, sell a stock, you buy, sell a house, you buy, sell jewelry or something like that. Anything that isn't derived from you, you know, going and plugging in at your desk with your job, getting your W-2 kind of thing. You kind of have this capital gains structure. Capital gains, if for assets that are held for over a year, are taxed more favorably than your income. I mean, some people, for example, here, let me, uh, let's look at an individual person. If you have an individual that makes less than $40,000 a year, yeah. Do you know what their capital gains rate is, Tony? It's zero. Yeah. So yeah. if you make less than 40 grand a year and you buy and sell some stocks, you pay nothing on the gains. Right. Tell me how that's not a good deal. Right. Damn. You yep. know, sign me up. Um, a single individual making between 40 and 400,000, it's 15%. And then over 400,000, it's 20%. Now, someone will shoot me a mean email and say, well, it's not 400,000, it's 434,000. I was being very simplistic with my You're speaking. rounding. You were rounding. I was, I was rounding, yeah, but yeah. I don't want to get yelled at later, hence why I you know, have to give my disclosure there. So <laughs> for a lot of people, they pay between zero and 15% capital gains rate. So we'll kind of come back to that. Um, click around back to my website. The other thing, too, is if you then make a reasonable amount of money, for example, if you're married, filed jointly, and you make over $250,000 as a couple, you pay an extra 3.8% on top of your capital gains rate. So if you're in the top capital gains tax bracket, which is 20%, and you make over $250,000 in general, then you pay an extra 3.8%. So the max capital gains tax bracket that someone can pay is 23.8% at the moment. 
Now, one of the things that uh, Joe Biden has proposed is, you know, for the higher end earners is we just get rid of capital gains and everything is taxed at ordinary income. So how does that work? Any idea what the top tax bracket is, Tony? Um, at the moment, it's 37%. Sorry, I took that out of your mouth. I, I thought I it was 20 something now, but okay. Well, it's 37% is the, the, the top one. Yeah. Uh, Vice President Biden would like to bring that back to 396 and then he would like to keep the 3.8% surcharge investment income tax I was talking about still on there. So basically what happens is if you're a higher end earner and you buy and sell a stock or a car or house or whatever the thing was, the max capital gains tax bracket right now is 23.8%. And for that max earner, that will go to 43.4%. It'll basically double. Wow. That's... that's pretty significant. I mean, you know, 43.4% is, let's call it half. So now for those higher earners, if you happen to accidentally be half successful in this universe, any investment that you have, bada bing, bada boom, you sell it, any gain you have, basically take half and give it to the house. That's a, I don't know, you know, to me, that's like a, a disincentive for a couple things. One is, I'm starting to feel the pain of investing knowing that I instantly lose half if I sell it. So that sucks. And, and you know, two is then what's the point of ever selling anything to even create tax liability? You know, to me, that seems like that would actually be a hindrance to federal tax revenue, what this is all about. Because maybe someone says, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to hang on to that stock forever. I'm never selling the dang thing. Poo-poo kachoo. Poo-poo <laughs> kachoo. You know? I ain't giving them half. Uh, I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll wait till I'm. I'll wait till I'm not making any money anymore, and my business is over, and things are. Yeah, you know, so I can get to a lower bracket. But you know, right. it, it, I don't mind mild changes, Tony. Maybe that's the takeaway from this. I don't mind. You know, if you were at twenty three point eight percent, and you went to, you know, twenty seven point six percent, whatever the number was, where you're like, okay, that sucks. You know, nobody wants that. But hey, it's up a little bit. But to basically double it, yeah. I mean, that would be tough. think of something as lame as a CD. You earn your 1% a year on your CD. If you're in this tax bracket, you give half in taxes. And, you know, you only made a half a percent on your CD. Yeah. I mean, it's just, this is party pooper stuff. Anyways. Yeah. So now to compound that a little weirder. Now that's, that affects more higher income people. But one of the things that Joe Biden has proposed that affects all people, all income levels and this one is very interesting to me. And this is probably the the one that stings me mentally the most. You ever heard of a step up in basis? I've heard that term, but I, I don't know <clears> what it means. Basically, let's a uh, simple example. Your mommy and daddy want to leave you their house when they die. Mommy and daddy only paid 30 grand for the house. The house is worth a half a million bucks because they bought it in the 60s. So commonly what happens is you inherit a house tax free. So if if they paid 30 and they leave it to you and it's worth a half a million, when you inherit it, you you inherit it for half a million. So if you sell it, you owe no tax on it. Right. So this is a very common thing that everybody has used forever kind of thing. I've watched this play out a thousand times with clients of getting assets, uh, leaving them to their kids or from your parents or whoever. Step up in basis is a very powerful tool of wow, I can pass assets to people without it just being freaking taxed up the gourd. Now, 
remember, even if it was taxed, it'd be taxed at capital gains rate. Remember, they want to get rid of capital gains. So that means your, you know, your, your inherited assets would be taxed at a much higher rate anyways. But why do they even have step up in basis? What, why, why? Now I look at it for a personal reason. I look at step up in basis, kind of the same reason we would look at life insurance being tax free. Why is life insurance tax free? Well, I'm, I'm asking these rhetorical questions because my opinion is the reason that these assets get stepped up in basis or they're tax free or however you want to look at it is because oftentimes, like let's use myself as an example. If I croak tomorrow, my family's in a tight spot, right? Because I'm the big breadwinner. I do all the work. My wife has four little girl children. Um, they're in a tough spot instantly. And commonly, one of the things that happens when people are in a tough spot is what? They unfortunately have to turn to the government. You know, maybe they need different levels of welfare and support because all of a sudden the world is turned upside down on their heads. So the whole premise between step up and basis premise between tax free life insurance, things like that is to say, hey, if we can move as much at least resources to these people as possible, then maybe we can keep them off the government dole. At least that's the way I perceive it is there's, there's a benefit there to make sure that there's something for the next generation um, to care for themselves, to get back on their feet, to normalize. So that's one component of how I view the positiveness of step up and basis. The other thing is, is you ever heard of the estate tax, also known as the death tax, Tony? Yes. The death tax? Yes. So uh, think about this. If there's a death tax, it's estate tax, people. Don't worry. You don't have to correct me. I like calling it death tax because that's what it is. You die, pay tax. Yeah. The death tax, let's oversimplify it and call it that 50%. Could you imagine if mom and dad, once again leave you their house for 30 grand. It's worth a half a million. You have to pay capital gains on that difference. And then on top of it, the government takes half of everything anyways on the death tax. Oh, like, could you imagine there'd be nothing left? Right. The, the house won. So that was, that's really a lot of the technical reason for step up and basis is, well, we can't double tax these people because of the estate death tax. So we let's give them step up in basis so that we can assess the value of these things. And then based on those assessed values that they inherit tax free, we'll then apply the death tax. Now, as of lately, what's happened with the death tax, the limit of what you can pass without paying the death tax has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, as of lately, basically an individual can leave $11 million without any estate death tax on it. So a big part of the conversation is, you know, well, let's get rid of step up and basis. Let's get rid of estate tax exemption levels that 11 million that way. Oh my gosh, everything's taxable. Wow. So it sounds crazy. The amount of tax that, that estate tax sounds to me to be horrible, right? Well, it is. And you go back prior you know, 2010 was an interesting year. That was the first year where there was, it, there was just one solo year where you could pass as much asset as you want without any tax. Cause they were reforming the laws. And so for some reason they gave you this one like gray year where they're like, Hey, you can pass as much asset as you want in 2010. Very sadly, I had I knew two um, high net worth people that killed themselves that year. 
which, wow. you know, it seemed horrific to me, but yeah. yeah, they committed suicide based on the premise. Oh my gosh, I can give all my money away. But, um, that's, you know, not a good reason to do that in my opinion. Well, the, no, um, there's no good reason, but yeah. But then since then the, the, the tax has gone up, you know, a lot to this 11 million and the whole premise is why is there a death tax? People have already paid taxes on these things along the way. Um, so why should we even tax it to death? Why, why mom and dad giving their kids something should, should carry a 50% tax liability. So that's kind of issue number one, obviously, where there's a lot of, you know, debate over the, the relevance of that tax. Um, but the other bigger issue too, is certainly estate taxes and step up in basis. These things have very erosionary factors on small businesses, right? We always hear the headline one. They always love to use the, the, the farm as the example, right? Well, wait, what if a family owns a farm, a dairy farm that's worth $20 million? Well, you know, if you had, you know, if, if it was just dad left and he left you that and he, he could pass you $11 million without any problems, that means 9 million is unsheltered. And if the tax was 50%, these kids have a four and a half million dollar tax bill on their dairy farm. But what's the problem with the dairy farm? Is, is, is this all money sitting in a bank account, Tony? I got no. uh, 20 million right here. No, nope. it's in land. It's in cows. It's in milk. It's in jugs. It's in trucks. So the reality is, is these these people that are quote unquote high net worth based on the valuation of, you know, a piece of dirt. The reality is they have no money. They don't have the resources. They don't have the capital. And so, so many of these types of businesses that are designed like that, this death tax then ultimately requires them to either take a major loan, sell a big portion of the business or get out of the business in its entirety just to raise enough money to pay off the government. And so obviously there's a huge amount of conjecture and debate on the appropriateness of the death tax. That's really not the takeaway of today. The takeaway of today is the new policies are revolving around capital gains and step up in basis as two like whirlwinding things that, like I said, I do all this planning all day long. This is what I help people with. And these are things we plan around say, Oh my gosh, kids will get this much asset from this. Well, you know, geez, shake that all up in a can and throw it out the window at the moment. So it's pretty fascinating. Now, interestingly enough, taxfoundation.org they like to score things. I think um, it's like the CBO scores, you know, this bill will save us this much money. Yeah. Um, I have found through reading and watching over the years that those things are rarely ever accurate on any level. Remember when they did the, when they did the CBO scored the 2017 tax cuts, what did they say over the next decade? <gasps> oh my God, we're going to lose so much tax revenue. We're all screwed. <laughs> and 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 what's fascinating is over the last two years tax revenue has gone up so uh what yeah is it I, i'm sorry i'm having a hard time understanding that but okay anyways so based on the scoring of biden's tax plan by raising capital gains and getting rid of step up in basis and blah 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 uh let's see what did they do is this over 10 years says economic effect. I'm not sure what the time period is. I think it's 10 years that they score these. But basically what it says is his his bill will will cost 600,000 jobs. Now, maybe that's not a lot of jobs to me. That's 600,000 people without a full-time job. So it seems like a lot. GDP will go down about 2%. 
Uh, capital stock will go down 3%. Wage growth will go down 1%. And, you know, so it's funny. Everything's negative. When I when I read this on taxfoundation.org, I'm not making this stuff up. I'm pulling it right from the, the .org website, right? Those are, those are supposed to be fair. Um, everything's negative. And I, I find that interesting because it goes back to that simple, simple example that I gave everybody. And that's, I'm a small business owner. If my income goes down, I think about what I can cut. If my income goes up, I think about what I can add. And that's kind of what's happening here is he's, uh, the way I feel this is he's cutting things. He's increasing tax liability, you know, unnecessarily in some sense, and it's going to cost jobs. Hmm. Now, granted, like I said, I pulled this off of the old government website. I pulled off the tax revenue from the, the government websites, so I'm a, I'm a person by the numbers. All I care about is the numbers, the facts, the statistics, the data. That's how I make informed decisions. And I have to admit apples to apples looking at the numbers. I'm, I, I'm much more entertained with the 2017 tax cuts. Am I am with the tax proposals by Joe Biden. Interesting. Yeah. And it's good to understand these things going into this uh, election. Important. So, uh, Michael, Good show, great points, and a lot of people don't think about how much they're going to be paying in taxes when it comes to, uh, you know, uh, the, especially when they pass money along or try right. to leave an estate to someone. Well, hey, we're out of time for today's show, though. Is there anything else you want to add? No, hey, obviously, you know, Tony and I like doing the show. We appreciate all the feedback we get, but certainly if you don't have a proper retirement plan, if you're trying to retire, if you don't have all this stuff figured out, what is your tax liability? How will these new laws and proposals affect you? Give me a call, 805-500-7035. That's 805-500-7035. This is what we do. This is the research we do. These are the things we sort out for our clients. We are here to help you guys. So just give us a call or visit our main website, thelindgroup.com. Lind is L-Y-N-D. And uh, yeah, otherwise, hey, same time, same place next week, Tony. All right. Sounds good, Michael. And listeners, that does it for today's episode of The Wealth Puzzle with our host, Michael Mansfield. Thank you for listening to The Wealth Puzzle. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound income plan. For more information, please contact Michael Mansfield at The Lind Group. Call 805 805- or visit them online at thelindgroup.com. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Fee-based financial planning and investment advisory services are offered by the Lind Group Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of California. Insurance products and services are offered through the Lind Group, LLC. The Lind Group, LLC and the Lind Group Advisors, LLC are not affiliated companies. Lind Group, LLC the Lind Group Advisors LLC and Michael Mansfield are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any government agency.